It lays the predicate and the foundation for the development of a weather satellite that will permit man to determine the world's cloud layer and ultimately to control the weather and he who controls the weather will control the world. A technologically advanced society is choosing to destroy itself. It's both fascinating and horrifying to watch. More from this Conversation.com report to come. Non-stop scripted political theater continues to capture the attention of far too many. When will they notice the oncoming train of total collapse? We'll soon enough find out. What about Hurricane Nicole? Just a late season weather anomaly? Are their agendas and objectives much more far-reaching than just Nicole's impact on Floridians? Stay tuned. The International Climate Conference, COP27, started this week. What's it really about? Here's a hint. A behind-closed-doors climate engineering convention with the undercurrent of keep business as usual, loot, plunder, pillage, and pollute until nothing is left. For those that don't yet know of the coming schedule weather for the contiguous 48 U.S. states, a massive chemical ice nucleation cooldown is scheduled. It's already underway in the West and scheduled to come soon for the Eastern U.S. And all of this is to occur while nearly the entire Northern Hemisphere is scheduled to remain at above to far above normal temperatures. An example from this week, Denver and Chicago went from the 70s to snow. So here's my question. Is this a geoengineering demonstration for the COP27 attendees? A demonstration of how America's monstrous military juggernaut can chemically cool North America, with the exception of Alaska, which is still above normal temperatures. There's only so many jets that they can put in the air, but the powers that be are always working toward increasing their climate engineering fleet. Count on that. Now let's add this. At the Cancun and Copenhagen Climate COP conferences, there were record cold temperatures at the conference at the time of the event, in spite of above normal surrounding temperatures. Another climate engineering demonstration for the climate conference attendees? I'll let listeners decide. For those that are not familiar with patented processes of chemical ice nucleation cloud seeding, aka engineering winter, please take the time to examine the engineering winter section on the homepage of geoengineeringwatch.org. For multiple sources, this headline from this week, UN Weather Report, Climate Woes, Bad and Getting Far Worse Faster. From that report, the latest state of the Global Climate Report is a chronicle of climate chaos. They then state this, two things must go away, climate delayism and speaking about climate change impacts in the future tense. It's here. Let's list a third missing component that this UN report didn't mention, the climate engineering denialism, and the fact that there can be no legitimate discussion about the climate from any perspective without including climate engineering first and foremost. Is climate engineering the secret weapon that will save us all from ourselves? Or in fact, have these operations already been ongoing and expanding for over 75 years? They're not just a proposal. Going on in plain sight, no pun intended. For our new honor listeners, Climate engineering, a.k.a. solar radiation management, is described by the science community as jet aircraft 
spraying lingering climate engineering particulate trails into our skies. The atmospheric particles are then manipulated with extremely powerful ground-based frequency transmitters. Manipulating the particles manipulates the air mass, which in turn manipulates the weather. For the record, these are all patented processes which have been well-documented scientifically for decades. The other science community stated objective of climate engineering is to fill the skies with sun-blocking toxic filth to slow the heating of the planet, they say, except that the particles trap more heat than they deflect, along with completely disrupting rain patterns, destroying the ozone layer, while ubiquitously contaminating the entire planet and every breath we take. This is Dane Wigington with geoengineeringwatch.org. You're listening to the weekly installment of Global Alert News, the end of the world as we know it broadcast, commercial-free, non-political, and covering the most dire and immediate threats we collectively face. Moving on, more breaking bad news headlines from this week. First, this question, are global geoengineering operations so shockingly visible that the vast majority can't seem to even see them? Because the atmospheric spraying is officially denied, and thus... It can't be happening, can it? Or they would surely tell us, wouldn't they? How many continue to pretend they aren't actually seeing what they're seeing in our skies? Let's take a moment to listen to the world's most recognized climate engineer, Dr. David Keith. Here he is, in his own words, telling us what a great deal climate engineering is. Bottom line is it's absurdly cheap and easy to do this. Um, if you wanted to get started, you would probably use reagent Gulfstream G5s with a, a F117 engines on them, and you can do that for a cost of about a buck a kilo, which when you do the math here means that you do the whole thing for a billion bucks a year, which is incredibly cheap, and it's easy for the science community to kind of assume that that's a good thing, but it's not necessarily a good thing. That means that unilateral action by small states is possible. These costs are absurdly small compared to the overall damages and costs of cutting emissions. And effectively, the costs are so small, it is a public policy problem. This is a risk-to-risk problem. The risks of doing it, the risks of not doing it, but the costs are so small, they're basically not going to enter. Dr. Keith, what about the cost to the environment and to human health when all these toxic particles settle to the surface? And about Dr. Keith's statement of only a few jets being needed or involved, really? And these few jets can be seen striping skies all over the world every single day? It seems someone isn't telling the truth. And about the true cost of climate engineering, for the record, top scientists working with geoengineeringwatch.org have determined from precipitation testing that there is likely at least 60 to 70 million tons of toxic climate engineering nanoparticles being sprayed into skies around the world every single year. Not 1 million tons, at least 60 to 70 million tons. Question, given the fact that the toxicity of atmospheric particulates goes exponential as their volume increases, what does that do to Dr. Keith's equation? Doesn't bode well, does it? Next new headline from this week, this one from phys.org. Planet Earth, 8 billion humans and dwindling resources. That doesn't sound like a story that has a happy ending, does it? The report then states this, quote, a smaller population with sustainable levels of consumption would reduce demands on energy, transportation, materials, food, and natural systems, end quote. With that statement in mind, what should we imagine that the controllers have planned? What parts of their agenda have they long since put into motion? You decide. Next from the Washington Post, this climate change threatening 
quote, things Americans value most, end quote, from a U.S. report. First point about this report, climate change is the wrong term. Abrupt climate collapse is the appropriate scientific assessment of what's unfolding, which is happening, for the record, hundreds of times faster than any previous paleo mass extinction event. Next question about the loss of, quote, the things Americans value most. It's different things to different people, isn't it? For some, myself included, the loss of the natural world of the web of life on which our lives and our children's completely depend is all that matters. With no functional environment, we all die. For others, football games and golf are perhaps their main concern. And even now, with near-term planetary omnicide looming on the horizon, they have not adjusted their priorities. Truly perplexing. The Washington Post report then states this, biodiversity threats too could grow more dire. Those that are already awake and aware see right through the could, may, might terms. When it comes to existential threats, there's no could, may, might. It's here and accelerating exponentially. We are neck deep in the sixth mass extinction on this planet right now. Then, from this report, the expected just think happy thoughts mantra from the Washington Post article. Here it is. They state there's good news and opportunity to still shape the future. Question, what exactly is that good news? What opportunity is the Post report referring to? Opportunity for who? To do what? And to shape the future how? Here's another quick thought from the world's most recognized climate engineer, Dr. David Keith. So if I made a decision or if there was a collective decision to do a geoengineering program and you put, say, uh, the kind of program I think makes more sense, we put about a million tons a year in, but let's say, you might end up killing many tens of thousands of people a year as the direct result of that decision. Again, as calculated from precipitation testing, the actual amount of toxic climate engineering nanoparticles being sprayed into our skies globally is likely in the range of 60 to 70 million tons. Particles like aluminum, barium, strontium, manganese, polymer fibers, graphene, and more. Let's do the math. If Dr. Keith states that a million tons of sprayed climate engineering atmospheric particles might kill, quote, many tens of thousands of people a year, end quote, how many would die if we multiply by 60 or 70 times? How many more would be sickened but not necessarily die? What about wildlife? What about our water, our soils, and our crops? To those that are still pretending everything will work out fine if we just stay optimistic and do as we're told, to those that are telling themselves that techno fixes will magically save us in the final hour, how's that going so far? Here's how. On the current mathematical trajectory, we have a few years at best. And that doesn't mean a few years of things the way they are now. It means hurling to the bottom of the abyss between now and the moment of impact. And this statistical conclusion doesn't even consider the inevitable 440 nuclear power plant meltdowns or nuclear war or the 60 other nuke plants that are being built right now in spite of Fukushima, in spite of Chernobyl. This is a bitter pill, I understand, but one that must be dealt with if anyone is to have any chance of making it to the other side of what's already unfolding. Google the following subject title, Mass Animal Die-Off 2022. Here's a very small soundbite of the first few headlines. 
New mass deaths of sea animals discovered off Russia's Kamchatka. Another sample. Kenyan drought leads to mass animal deaths. Another headline. Animal populations experience average decline of almost 70%. That's in the last 40 years. Some articles claim 50 years. It's actually 40 years. Next headline. Dungeness crab die-off underway along U.S. West Coast. That's in addition to the Alaskan snow crab die-off. And here's the headline on that front. Why did 11 billion Alaskan snow crabs suddenly disappear? Question mark. This headline. Majority of U.S. birds are rapidly dying off, report warns. And this, let's not forget, the global insect apocalypse. No insects, no us. Simple. And there's also the collapse of forests and plankton. The list goes on and on. Again, it's, it's baffling to me. It always has been. When you stand back and look at the images of these massive human habitations with skyscrapers and the entire horizon filled with human constructs, incredibly elaborate, hard to maintain. Everything the human race builds, with very few exceptions, is beginning to deteriorate from the moment it's constructed, from cars to buildings, streets, sidewalks, everything. It can't be maintained. It was never even remotely sustainable. And even now, as it's collapsing on every front, how many are caught up in, in meaningless bread and circus distractions of every imaginable type, especially in the political arena? It's staggering how easily people are distracted from the wider horizon. That has to change. It doesn't change. If it doesn't change, mathematically speaking, we have no chance. The following headline from this week is an eye-opening indication. Multiple sources, world risks collective self-annihilation. UN chief warns at climate summit. Gutierrez urged the world to ramp up the transition to renewable energy, so-called renewable energy, and for richer polluting nations to come to the aid of poorer countries, least responsible for heat-trapping emissions. Nations worldwide are coping with increasingly intense, quote, natural disasters that have taken thousands of lives this year and cost billions of dollars. The United Nations estimates that our planet will be home to 9.7 billion people by 2050. Never going to happen. You can quote me on that. And about this report calling the climate catastrophe happening all over the globe, natural disasters, there's nothing natural about it from any perspective. The human race, taken as a whole, has laid waste to this planet, again in the geologic blink of an eye. And now let's add the climate intervention operations to the equation. There is nothing untainted. Nothing is natural. The climate engineers leave nothing alone. And we still have the so-called climate science community at these international conferences pretending that there's anything natural about what's happening in our skies, about the climate cataclysms that are manifesting all over the globe. There's nothing natural about any of it. And I'm not saying without climate engineering we wouldn't have climate cataclysm. I'm not saying that. I never have. And too many people try to quote me as saying something Along those lines, I never have. I have never denied the immensity of what the human race has done to this planet. In too many ways to even begin to cover it would take days. But the intentional intervention in the climate system and the life support systems of the planet is the most dangerous of all, by far. It's the 
top priority for the human race to cease and desist and allow the planet to respond on its own to the damage already done. Next headline, multiple sources last week, poisoning our planet, greenwashing, deception, and loss of fairness at COP27. That's from RenewEconomy.com. More on the COP27 climate conference facade in a moment, but about the greenwashing, of course it's rampant. There is no magic bullet. And for those that want to know how non-renewable, so-called renewable energy is, again, please watch Planet of the Humans. Next headline, more pretending that completely derailing the planet's life support systems is somehow a good thing. From the Barents Observer, meltdown of the Arctic Ocean, dead end or, quote, new opportunities, question mark. From that report, the Arctic Ocean is changing towards a warmer, ice-free state in summer. They say warm Atlantic water continuously carries plankton organisms from the south to the north. Boreal species usually perish in the cold, dark Arctic Ocean, but that may change as the climate warms. Sea ice shrinks and the primary production season lengthens. The season only lengthens for the non-indigenous species while the indigenous species die. And we lose the ice, we lose the albedo, we lose the reflectiveness of the ice. Instead of the ice reflecting 90% of the sun's incoming thermal energy, the sea ice absorbs 90%. The equation goes exponential. We lose the air conditioner for the planet and feedback loops then are triggered on countless fronts, starting with methane. Here's the reality. The abrupt collapse of the polar ice, which climate engineering is making far worse overall, not better, will fuel mass methane release from tundra and seabed deposits. If that feedback loop continues unabated, Venus syndrome will be the result. Search geoengineeringwatch.org, Venus syndrome, to learn more. Here's another headline this week of disaster capitalism from businessinsider.com. Russia is sending an icebreaker tanker of oil to China via the Arctic Circle, opening up a faster route to Asian buyers. It's the example I've given before. It's pirates filling their pockets with loot on the deck of a sinking ship. How much will it matter soon? Here's another headline this week about the Arctic. This one from ArcticToday.com. Western Arctic caribou herd decline continues, bringing population to a third of peak size. This is parallel with the die-off of animal populations around the globe that are down now more than two-thirds in the last 40 years. The report states there is no obvious reason for the past year's decline. That's because the climate science community, again, paid to not know what's going on, or at least not tell us. Next statement, Arctic climate change is considered to be a likely culprit, no mention of climate engineering, of course, which is the single most disruptive factor with the climate of all. And they state warmer winters increase the frequency of dangerous rain-on-snow events. So much more to this equation. First, the intense UV radiation is wreaking havoc in the Arctic. We have flash, warm and cool events, weather whiplash, We have chemical ice nucleation that actually flash freezes regions and animals. We've had, as I mentioned on this broadcast many times, October 4th, 2013, South Dakota, 100,000 cattle died from a flash snowstorm, while at the same time it was 85 degrees and raining in Chicago, 89 degrees and raining in Kansas City, and we're to think that it's nature that created a flash winter snowstorm that started at 40 degree temperatures 
That's from chemical ice nucleation. It radically cools the surface. This material is extremely cold to the touch, sticks to the cattle's snouts. Because it's very adhesive, they won't breathe through their mouth and they die. Is that one of the factors happening with the caribou that these so-called scientists know nothing about? They know nothing about anything. They know nothing about the tree die-off, and they blame it all on the beetles. Beetles are simply a symptom of a sick tree. And again, the entire climate science community pretending not to see the climate engineering operations going on in our skies. Another headline from phys.org. Ice loss from northeastern Greenland significantly underestimated. Another headline. I read them week after week after week. It's way worse than we thought. Gee, we didn't know. Had no idea how bad it was. How come geoengineeringwatch.org has known for the decade and a half we have existed and have stated over and over on the record that what's actually happening on the wider horizon is far worse than anything we're being told. And as it becomes impossible to hide, the admissions start to come. From this report, new results published this week in the journal Nature indicate that existing models have underestimated how much ice will be lost during the 21st century. Hence, its contribution to sea level rise will be significantly higher. They continue, the northeast Greenland ice stream will contribute six times as much to the rising sea levels as previous models suggested. The loss of ice in Greenland for this century has been vastly underestimated, they say. That's 600% worse than they thought. And that's still conservative. Not 10% worse, 20%, 30% worse, 600% worse. The flooding that's occurring in places like Florida right now is not just from the hurricanes. Sea levels are rising rapidly. And it's not just from melting ice. It's also thermal expansion. As oceans warm, they expand. And that worsens sea level rise. As the weight of the ice is lifted from land masses like Greenland, you have glacial rebound. The landmass begins to rise out of the sea, which displaces even more seawater, which further increases sea level rise. These are all positive feedback loops, about 50 in play on the planet right now. We are in completely uncharted territory. Next headline from Fizz.org also, drastic retreat of Norway's largest glacier highlights scale of climate change. That report states more than 96% of Norway's electricity is generated by water power. As glaciers shrink further, this source of supply will decrease. Another truly brilliant deduction from the so-called science community. When you have less water, you can not make as much hydropower. I wonder how many scientists it took to figure that out. Next headline from techexplore.com. Freshwater scarcity prompts hunt for more from the air and the sea. This shows the desperation of the human race. Desalinization plants are a disaster for the environment, require immense amounts of energy. Every single form of climate intervention, cloud seeding to produce rain in one place, keeps it from reaching another place. And climate engineering negates all forms of conventional cloud seeding anyway. Every form of human intervention in the natural systems is a disaster. When will the human race see that? When will it become apparent that our war against nature is a war against ourselves? I say it over and over and over. Another headline last week, global warming is already causing more frequent and severe droughts. On the drought front, please search the engineering drought section on the homepage of geoengineeringwatch.org. Must rain more on a warming planet, not less. Laws of physics make that clear. 7% more moisture for every degree C of warming. Climate engineering, core causal factor 
for the majority of droughts around the planet. Doesn't mean we wouldn't have droughts without climate engineering, not at all. But it means that overall, it must rain more on a warming planet. Climate science community, again, radically deceiving populations. Back to the late season, out of nowhere, Hurricane Nicole. First, let's do some background. Let's rewind to this 2004 report from Scientific American. Title Controlling Hurricanes. They ask, can hurricanes and other severe tropical storms be moderated or deflected? Question mark. Here's a peer-reviewed science study title, Hurricane Abatement Method and System. Here's the abstract from that science study. Methods and systems are described for the abatement of hurricanes and other atmospheric disturbances. The methods and systems comprise the delivery of various coolants in either their liquid, gaseous, or solid states, and applying such coolants to energy-feeding regions of the atmospheric disturbance identified by analytical modeling. The coolants are both cryogenic and non-cryogenic. In addition to cooling, the cryogenic coolants create a wind shear and large frozen objects in mesoscale model. Identified updrafts of the atmospheric disturbance from the high altitude down to sea level. All coolants bring about the abatement of the hurricane by the dehydration of the moisture-laden air, the disruption of the stability of the hurricane winds, and the preemption of work by the hurricane's heat engine prior to landfall. What's this all add up to? It means that the technology to suppress hurricanes exists, and it goes far further back than this patent from 2007. And interestingly enough, they officially state this patent has been abandoned. And what that likely means is the government or the powers that be have added this technology to the long list of technologies they already have to suppress hurricanes, which they absolutely can and have been doing for decades. Again, the beginning of the U.S. military's hurricane modification program started in 1947, 75 years ago with Project Cirrus. Their technology has advanced who knows how far since then. First, about suppressing cyclonic rotations. Many would think that's a good thing, but is it on a planetary scale when the planet is desperately trying to cool itself, when suppressing these systems prevents ozone layer regeneration, prevents ocean mixing, and simply interferes with the planet's very complex life support systems in ways that we cannot know or understand. And because they have the technology to suppress cyclones, does that mean that they don't have the technology to augment cyclones, to create, quote, rapid intensification, which is a term we see now over and over and over. Cyclones that look completely disorganized, in fact, don't seem to have any rotation whatsoever, migrating into a position that's predicted days or even a week in advance, and suddenly there's a rapid intensification right where the so-called weather forecasters, the script readers, say it will occur. And then, can that storm be steered? Consider this report headline also from Scientific American, going all the way back to 2011. Quote, can hurricanes be controlled? The report states, being chaotic systems, hurricanes are highly sensitive to initial conditions, so adjusting humidity or temperatures could be enough. In fact, when you add atmospheric saturation of electrically conductive particulates and frequency transmission manipulation of those particulates, cyclones can absolutely be steered. Please search geoengineeringwatch.org hurricanes. Look for Hurricane Harvey, Hurricane Michael, Hurricane Maria, Hurricane Ian, and hopefully soon we will try to release a monitoring of Hurricane Nicole. The climate science community continues to pretend that hurricane manipulation isn't occurring.
The same climate science community has long since pretended that they didn't know that the atmosphere was so full of particles. They pretend they didn't know why there is so many atmospheric particles, much more than industrialized pollution can account for. And finally, the climate science community covertly sells climate engineering, which they claim isn't actually occurring, by pretending that all the atmospheric particles have an overall cooling effect based on the assumption that large volcanic eruptions create long-term planetary cooling, an assumption that the most recent science studies have now proven to be entirely wrong. Listen carefully to this short audio excerpt from a 2006 PBS documentary addressing global warming. The first voice you will hear is the world's most recognized climate scientist, Dr. James Hansen. Here it is. In a way, it is unfortunate that the small particles were in the atmosphere because we would have realized much earlier that the, how strong the greenhouse effect is and would have had more time to make the adjustments that are going to be necessary to uh, slow down and eventually stop the growth of greenhouse gases. Despite the cooling from global dimming, scientists agree that over the past century or so, average temperatures have risen between 0.6 and 0.8 degrees Celsius, about 1 to 1.5 degrees Fahrenheit. The increase, small as it may seem, is very fast by the standards of Earth history. But now, we face something much faster. Ironically, if we keep bringing particle pollutants down with great benefits to health, but continue pumping greenhouse gases into the atmosphere, Peter Cox believes we could be creating the worst possible combination for global temperatures. We're going to be in a situation, unless we act, where the cooling pollutant is dropping off while the warming pollutant is going up. CO2 will be going up and particles will be dropping off. And that means we'll get an accelerated warming. We'll get a double whammy. We'll get, we'll get reducing cooling and increased heating at the same time. And that's, that's a problem for us. If the particle forcing is what we estimate, about minus 1.5 watts, that would imply that removing that forcing would cause a global warming of more than one degree Celsius. That's more than the warming that we've seen already. So this is a huge factor. If we continue as we are, combining reduced air pollution with an increase in greenhouse gases, temperatures could rise by a further two or even three degrees Celsius. That's as much as five degrees Fahrenheit by mid-century. Much sooner than current models predict. But in my opinion, three degrees Celsius is not the level of the dangerous interference. That's a level which guarantees disaster. James Hansen is particularly worried about what this rise in temperature would do to the Greenland ice sheet. Even at today's temperature, there are signs that substantial melting is already underway. It has been overlooked how sensitive ice sheets are to global temperature. We can see that in the last year, the mass of Greenland decreased by 200 cubic kilometers of ice. That's a lot of ice. 
I cannot imagine that the ice sheets could survive more than a few centuries with a three degrees Celsius warming. So that would mean a sea level rise of several meters per century, and it would just continue. And once that starts, it's out of our control. The last time the Earth was three degrees warmer was three million years ago, when there was a natural increase in the level of greenhouse gases in the atmosphere. The geological evidence indicates that melting ice raised sea levels 25 meters higher than today. In the United States, uh, New York City, with a 25 meter sea level rise, most of the city would be underwater. Um, Washington, D.C., much of it would be under, but there are other regions that would be suffer much more. Florida, almost the entire state would be underwater, and likewise Louisiana. So we really can't afford to go down that path. And it would not just be coastlines that would be transformed if the Earth warms by three degrees. Climate models suggest the Amazon basin would become much drier and vulnerable to fire. What's left of the world's greatest tropical rainforest could simply burn away and in the process, release still more carbon dioxide, further accelerating global warming. Not global warming, abrupt climate collapse, being further fueled by climate intervention operations. There is so much deception and disinformation in this PBS Global Warming documentary that it's hard to know where to start. But backing into the data presented, first, frontline uncensored temperature readings indicate that we are already past 3.5 degrees of warming based on pre-industrial temperatures. That's nearly 7 degrees Fahrenheit. Next, none of the planet warming downsides of all the atmospheric particulates are ever mentioned by the climate science community, starting with destroying the ozone layer, which in and of itself is an immediate existential threat. The rain cycle is completely disrupted. Forests incinerate, adding more greenhouse gases. And all the while, the circus of geoengineering jets paint our skies with filth that, again, the climate science community pretends is slowing the warming, which it is actually fueling. Consider as an example some of the headlines I just covered in this broadcast, like Greenland ice melting 600% faster than the former worst-case models it predicted. And anyway, here's the bottom line. The controllers are using climate intervention operations to carry out their own agendas and objectives. There's nothing benevolent about any of it. Nothing. This conclusion shouldn't come as any surprise to those that are even slightly awake. We live in an asylum. One side of the orchestrated political divide pretending that we can all live happily ever after if we just drive an electric car and buy some solar panels. The other side of the divide pretending that we just need to drill for and burn more oil to have a happy ending. Both sides are delusional. And all the while, the great dying of our formerly thriving planet continues. Brace for impact. It's coming faster than almost any dare to imagine. You're listening to the weekly installment of Global Alert News, the bad news broadcast, installment number 379, November 12, 2022. This is Dane Wigington, your host. 
Global Alert News is brought to you by geoengineeringwatch.org, the largest and most visited website in the world on the subject of climate intervention operations known as geoengineering. The commercial-free, non-political Global Alert News Hour is now broadcast on AM and FM stations in Florida, Texas, two stations in San Francisco, Sacramento, San Diego, two Colorado stations including Denver, Portland, Phoenix, Pittsburgh, Santa Cruz, San Bernardino, California, Washington State, Alabama, New York State, two stations in the far north of California, and now in North and South Carolina. Geoengineeringwatch.org wishes to express our deepest gratitude to those that have helped us expand our reach and our voice in this desperate last hour effort to sound the alarm. On that subject, if you're on our email list, please put us on your contact book so that our mail-outs don't go to the spam files. We only do one or two a week. It's critically important data. We will not overload you. We simply want to make sure you get that data. Please help us to share the groundbreaking documentary, The Dimming, which fully exposes the climate engineering atrocities with interviews with Air Force generals, former presidential cabinet members, the former Minister of Defense of Canada. There's so many more former government scientists. The best way to share is by circulating the direct link to the dimming by email directly from the homepage of geoengineeringwatch.org. Sharing directly helps us to overcome social media censorship. When viewing our YouTube of the dimming or Global Alert News or any other geoengineeringwatch.org video on YouTube, please subscribe, share, and comment, all of which helps us to circulate critically important data to a much wider audience. About reaching those that still aren't looking up, geoengineering watch awareness raising materials can be found on our home page. Printed materials that are worth a thousand words when people see satellite images that are shocking and inarguable of climate intervention operations. That does much more than anything we can tell them. Pointing at the sky and ranting shuts people down, but passing on this kind of image wakes them up. Our only goal, to provide activists what they need to move this fight forward. There's very high quality and printed materials and just added climate engineering conversation starters. Our new geoengineeringwatch.org shirts, scannable business cards, and bumper stickers. All effective tools to help strike up a conversation on the climate engineering issue. And that's how you plant a seed of awareness. Doing so is the first and most important leap we can make toward getting the as-of-yet-uninformed to look up. Waking the masses to the climate engineering onslaught is the great imperative If we can expose it, we can stop it from the inside out as we awaken military personnel, defense industry personnel, to what they are participating in, i.e. their own demise and ours. Final footnote, if you want to share a picture of you wearing a geoengineering watch.org shirt, perhaps at a gym, farmer's market, busy street downtown, etc., please send us your photo so that we can post it as part of our activist compilation, which is now part of our materials page. The images encourage others to make their voices heard in this all-important battle to sound the alarm. Moving on, let's start with this question. What's the U.S. military do about waning global resources? Here's a headline to consider on that note. U.S. forces steal 92 tankers of oil and wheat from Syria for U.S. bases in Iraq. Remember what the former U.S. president admitted to regarding Syrian oil? He said, quote, we're keeping it. Now meet the new boss, same as the old boss. What happened to Pakistan this year when its prime minister wasn't willing to toe the line for the U.S. empire? Former professional soccer player Imran Khan, a Pakistani prime minister for the people, was ousted. 
Then came the unprecedented floods in Pakistan. A third of the country was put underwater. Literally, they're still struggling today. And most recently, there has been an assassination attempt on Imran Khan. These are just two examples of how business is conducted by empires. And the U.S. empire is the most experienced of all at toppling and taking over countries for their resources. And I'm not condoning the militaries of any other country. They're all bad. But consider, again, U.S. military bigger than the next 10 biggest militaries combined. It's all a matter of scale, isn't it? But the most elaborate plans of men will soon matter little on our dying planet. Back to planetary meltdown and engineering winter. First, an update on the ongoing and accelerating meltdown being further fueled by climate engineering. This headline from this week, world faces, quote, terminal loss of Arctic sea ice during summers, report warns. The dramatic vanishing of polar ice sheets will cause catastrophic sea level rise that will threaten cities, according to a major new study. That's not hard to figure out, isn't it? And you can't just put on the brakes. That's what so many people don't understand. When you lose the air conditioners of the planet, the polar regions and the ice, just like the ice in an ice chest, things stay pretty cool until that last ice cube is gone. Then the superheating starts. And we are hurling toward that point. The report continues. The climate crisis has pushed the planet's stores of ice to a widespread collapse that was, quote, unthinkable just a decade ago. We knew at Geoengineering Watch, they're just now figuring out in the entire global climate science community. No, make no mistake, they knew. But they were paid to pretend they didn't know, and now they can't hide it. So now they're admitting to it. They continue with Arctic sea ice certain to vanish in summers and ruinous sea level rise from melting glaciers now already in motion. A major new report has sounded the alarm. In just the past year, researchers have been astonished by the sight of rain at the summit of Greenland's enormous ice sheet for the first time on record, followed by rain rather than snow falling on East Antarctica. But it's snowing in Arizona this week, isn't it? While it's raining in Canada, nothing normal about that. That's climate engineering and chemical ice nucleation for weather modification. Flash freeze cooldowns at the surface. They mentioned the falling rain on East Antarctica in March amid startling heat waves at both poles with temperatures as much as 72 degrees above normal. 72 above normal. Let's plug that into a Redding, California summertime high of on the high end maybe 110 degrees. Let's add 72 degrees to that. That's 182 Not so good. Just because it's in the polar regions and off that far so it doesn't reach such astounding highs doesn't make it less dire. The report on the terminal loss of polar ice continues, stating this, The Arctic is heating up around four times as quickly as the global average, which combined with record heat waves in Antarctica, risks a rapid meltwater pulse not seen at any time in the past 130,000 years, during which time human civilization has developed. A huge amount of sea level rise appears to be already locked in, they state. They then say this surge in water could prove disastrous for coastal areas. Really? Submerging coastal cities could, may, might be disastrous? On the same theme, new from the UK Guardian. Developing countries will need $2 trillion a year in climate funding by 2030. No, they won't. Because before 2030, everything will have collapsed likely before 2025, if not far sooner still. There's no stopping collapse. That needs to be understood. You can't just turn it off. Once you go through the guardrails with a system that was horrifically unsustainable from day one, you can't just stop it in midair. We're going to hit, and the powers that be are doing everything they can to mask this from populations until the absolute end, artificially pumping up the stock market, 
people using their houses for ATMs. It's now coming to an end because they're having to raise interest rates. But none of that will change what's coming. You can't have an economy. You can't have civilization without a functional environment. And that is completely disintegrating. The climate engineers are engineering winter events to mask the severity of meltdown. Let's dive into that subject in the time we have left. This headline from this week, winter storm in West to become first blizzard of the season in the northern plains. That's while we have a tropical hurricane hitting states not very far away. We start with winter storm Alejandra. This week from the Weather Channel, the following statement, a tropical storm and a winter storm at the same time, question mark. It happens, they say. Yes, when the climate intervention operations are being carried out, it definitely does happen. The climate engineers are carrying on with their efforts to chemically cool the North American continent, western and northern states for the moment, with the rest being scheduled for a coming chemical cooldown, while at the same time, nearly the entirety of the northern hemisphere remains at above to far above normal temperatures. What coincidental timing. The engineered cooldown of regions in the U.S. in lockstep with the COP27 Climate Conference Theater of Deception. Where does Hurricane Nicole fit into this equation? How does the chemical ice nucleation cloud seeding cooldown of America serve the global controllers? First, it's a glaring demonstration of what the largest military in the world can accomplish with highly toxic and environmentally devastating climate engineering operations. A demonstration for government representatives from around the world that are attending the COP27 conference. Next, the chemical cooldown of the U.S. turning summer to winter in a matter of days on many occasions for many regions of the western U.S. serves to convince already complacent and artificially comfortable U.S. populations into discounting or completely denying that the planet is in a state of total meltdown. After all, how could it be melting down? How could the planet be superheating when it's so cold, cold, cold outside their front door? How many Americans that are in this category stop to consider that the contiguous 48 states is only about 1% of the Earth's surface area and that whatever conditions the climate engineers are able to create over that 1% is not an indication of the entire world? The flash cooldowns that are now commonly occurring are not natural, are not the result of nature. They're a result of patented processes of chemical ice nucleating cloud seeding, just like the ski slopes use. That's why there's snow on the ski slope when the whole mountain is bare. Same process is being sprayed into cloud moisture with catastrophic results on the ground. Toxic as well. In addition to chemical ice nucleation and cloud seeding, there's the manipulation of atmospheric pressure zones with ionosphere heater installations like HARP. I again encourage everyone who may have heard of HARP but doesn't really know or understand what an ionosphere heater is and what it can do. It's not scientifically disputed. It can heat the ionosphere to extraordinarily high temperatures. It completely alters the atmosphere, pushing downward pressure. That's a high-pressure heat dome in the lower atmosphere. It steers upper-level wind currents, thus steers moisture. That's one of the primary mechanisms that climate engineers are able to manipulate such vast areas. And this jet stream manipulation is part of the overall combination of climate engineering processes. This entire scenario, for many, is simply too much to even consider. Denial, for too many, seems much easier 
at least for the moment. The same populations have no trouble accepting shocking technologies like the fact that they can speak to anyone in the world at any time they want with their handheld black box, their wireless device. But the completely documented fact that the military-industrial complex has long since had the power to manipulate the planet's climate and weather systems with constant atmospheric aerosol particulate spraying operations and with weapons of mass destruction like HARP and the dozens of other facilities like it around the world is discounted and denied by the majority of populations, most of which refuse to even look up, let alone to consider investigating in any way, shape, or form what they see in their skies. It's all just condensation, they're told. Go back to sleep. Go get the latest iPhone and continue consuming to your heart's content over the holidays. Everything's fine, we're told. This narrative, this state of mind, is a power structure programmed total departure from reality. Here's the bottom line. The planet's former energy balance has now been completely obliterated. It's been completely destabilized. The cascading consequences of this scenario are gaining momentum by the day. Covert climate intervention operations are greatly adding to the climate destabilization scenario. If the human race continues on the current course, we will all soon suffer the consequences. We are already. Another headline, almost out of time, from numerous sources. Climate crisis, past eight years were the eight hottest ever. And that's with data being falsified to the downside, not the upside. It's far warmer than we are being told. We're in a runaway climate collapse scenario right now. On that theme, new from the UK Guardian this week, why scientists are using the word scary over the climate crisis. The report says more and more scientists are now admitting publicly that they're scared by the recent climate extremes. It is the suddenness and ferocity of recent events that's alarming researchers. We knew at Geoengineering Watch, we've been sounding the alarm for 15 years, and now these people are just beginning to admit to it. Question, are these same scientists scared by the climate engineering insanity? Does the fact that governments around the world are completely derailing and breaking down the climate system for their own personal agendas with geoengineering operations, does that alarm these same researchers? If it doesn't, they're either in total denial or dead from the neck up. I don't know who to believe about climate engineering, many say to me. I've had this statement thrown at me so many times, more times than I could ever count. It's a statement indicative of societies that, taken as a whole, are no longer willing, or worse, no longer capable of considering and comprehending what they can see with their own eyes. I've never asked anyone to believe me or anything I report on this broadcast. What I ask is to look up, use your sense of reason, your sense of logic, and come to your own conclusion with investigation. Not just what you hear somebody say somewhere or what you saw online somewhere. Investigate for yourself. Look up, please, while there's still time to make a difference. A final note on Hurricane Nicole. Many objectives are being carried out at once. Here's a primary factor. Nicole is being used for an atmospheric moisture pump. Heavy climate engineering atmospheric spraying operations are occurring in the moisture field of the advancing storm. Atmospheric moisture is needed for chemical ice nucleating elements. Wind further enhances the endothermic reaction of these elements, thus augmenting the coming surface cooldown that's been scheduled by the weather makers just in time to demonstrate climate engineering possibilities to the COP27 attendees. As mentioned at the start of this broadcast, this report headline, a technologically advanced society is choosing to destroy itself. It's both fascinating and horrifying to watch. No time to dive into this report, but the title tells the story 
well enough. The spraying dispersions can often be seen turning on and off, and still the public denial persists because the official sources and the so-called experts tell populations it isn't so. Tell them that they must believe the official narrative and not their lying eyes and senses of logic and reason. Such is life on the planetary asylum. How many times have so many oblivious humans commented about the beautiful sunset that is 100% climate engineering toxic sprayed particulate filth? And no, that's not a beautiful sunset. To everyone listening to this broadcast, to this last hour desperate effort to sound the alarm, I'm asking pleading for you to help in this most critical battle. We must start proverbial spot fires of awareness anywhere and everywhere we can. The large organized gatherings aren't necessary. What's needed is to effectively and efficiently share credible data from a credible source. From our own home computers, we can each find email contacts for endless lists of individuals, groups, organizations, media sources, etc. Forward them solid and compelling informational links that expose the climate engineering atrocities. The Geoengineering Watch documentary The Dimming was produced for this express purpose, a film that provides atmospheric testing proof of climate engineering, along with testimonies from U.S. Air Force generals, former government scientists, former U.S. presidential cabinet members, the former Canadian Minister of Defense, the former Canadian Premier for British Columbia. The list goes on and on. Provide proof of climate engineering. And if that proof is rejected, move on to someone else. You've done your part. You've planted a seed. Question, where are all the environmental organizations in this fight? Sitting the sidelines and participating in the official denial of climate engineering operations. They don't want to lose their 501c3 nonprofit status. And where are all the spiritual institutions in this fight? Sitting on the same bench with the so-called environmentalists for the same reason, to protect their nonprofit status. In both cases, the hypocrisy is beyond alarming. There are, however, very courageous exceptions that are standing steadfast against the gathering storm. Three that I am honored to march with in this all-important battle to expose and halt the climate engineering assault on creation are Pastor J.D. Farrig, Pastor Chuck Baldwin, and Pastor Butch Paw. I know there are others, and I am grateful to them. And to those congregations whose leaders are hiding behind their pulpits to protect their nonprofit status, it's up to you to hold them accountable. No matter how complacent populations have been thus far, if they could be fully awakened to the cascading consequences of climate intervention operations, they would finally connect the dots of climate engineering and climate cataclysm and empty food shelves. If they realized that they are literally fighting for their lives, there would be a shockwave around the world. We could yet alter the equation in the right direction. The hour is late. It's imperative that we make every day count. Check the activist suggestions link on the homepage of geoengineeringwatch.org for input on how to effectively and efficiently move this fight forward. We're here for a reason. Make your voice heard while it can still make a difference. Until next week, this is Dane Wigington with geoengineeringwatch.org.